0: Is this episode 10? We should celebrate.
1: If we don't watch out, we're going to have more episodes and listeners.
0: (laughs) Is that going to be our outtake or the title for the podcast?
2: Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development from three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is episode 10. We finally hit double digits. How you guys doing?
0: Doing good. Pretty good.
2: So, uh, some interesting stuff happened this week and last week from the time that we recorded. First, uh, actually, do we want to start up with some follow up?
1: Yeah, follow up sounds good. We had our uh, core data episode a couple weeks back, and uh, actually, shortly after that, that aired. There's a, I think, completely unrelated blog post. Marcus Zara on his, uh, was it on the Martian Craft blog? Yeah, on yeah. how he how he handles his his core data stack. Uh, and he the, the article was kind of at least the way I read it was basically, uh, you know, core data is not that bad. You guys, just need to follow these, you know, three or four steps and follow these rules and principles, and then uh, everything will work out really good. Is that what you guys got out of it too? In the high level?
2: And that's basically what Apple says to you too.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I I think it all comes back to core data works really well when you know how to use it. But if you're a a novice, there's a lot of potholes you have to avoid.
2: So, so just real quick, his stack involved having a private context where all of the rights would happen and then a public context in the main thread that would receive everything. You would do all your manipulations there. And then all the saves would get propagated up to the private context. Is that how you guys read it? hmm Okay. Yeah, and that's, that's the Apple recommended way these days. It didn't used to be that way, but that's what they recommend now.
1: And that's similar to, well, is it, FMDB? That's kind of the recommended way to do it too, right? I think that's... Maybe there's other ones too. It seems like a common pattern to use.
2: Yeah, I think whenever you get into that multiple threads writing to your persistent store or your database file, as in the FMDB's case, you're going to run into issues.
1: Yeah, well, well, I think at least to me, what this blog post kind of highlighted was uh, that you really have to have a specific strategy like this or maybe some other strategy. Uh, If you want to, you know, have mostly bug-free core data and maybe that says there's a problem with, with the API if you have to be so stringent about using it in a specific way i don't know what do you guys think
2: i don't feel there's an inherent problem with chainsaws you just don't want to put it out against your foot when you're pushing the button (laughs) probably mixing some metaphors there
1: that's fair but like core data is supposed to be like a very high level um api and having to kind of Use it like you do. It just seems like the opposite of that goal.
2: Yeah, it's definitely an abstraction, and it it's a high level abstraction, and there are some leakages. That being the thread model issues. So yeah,
0: like everything uh,
2: that's it, high level, it's got its issues.
0: And i I think it's definitely non trivial, and I I think the articles like this kind of highlight that fact that you know this is not something that an entry-level programmer could come in picking up iOS, could figure out and do on their own. You know, they really need the guidance. There's also a decent amount of boilerplate code that comes along with Core Data, too. Yeah. If you're setting up this in every single project, you know, you might as well turn this into a framework on top of Core Data, which people have done, uh, some successfully and some less so
2: yeah at this point, I like the convenience of magical record, but I wouldn't recommend it to any project starting out just for its flaws and potential uh lack of maintenance going on
0: yeah and core data has had pretty significant feature additions over the last few years. you know part of why this is more novel on um, setting up the context is you. Know, historically you didn't have the concept of nested context in the first couple versions so that was added later. And other features like batch updates and, and such have been added over time so Magical Record and hasn't really been keeping up with those changes as far as I can tell. Um, they do updates but I don't think it's getting quite the attention that it needs to to stay current and you know, maybe the active record model isn't, isn't the perfect fit for everyone.
2: Well, and it's also hard to, to unit test when you involve core data. So maybe it's not such a bad thing to start moving over to a plain object scheme.
0: Yeah. I, I think, you know, my opinion's always been, if you know core data really well, then use it. Um, but it's not your only option. So whatever you use, get to know that, that framework and and probably stick with it for a while. Jumping between frameworks is a bit tricky, especially this level of framework like Core Data. True. So any, any tool that you know well, is, you're going to be able to be fairly efficient and, and do good work
2: yeah definitely a good article, and we will include that in the show notes
1: for sure. so do you guys want to talk about all the lotteries now?
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. so I won one but lost the other one.
1: Oh, you did. I didn't know you won a lottery.
2: well I didn't win the ticket lottery, but I did win the uh special developer edition watch so uh Apple had their two lotteries. One was the ticket lottery for WWDC. I am a sore loser in that one.
0: As am I. And a lot of other people I know.
1: I probably yeah. would have been a sore loser if I would have tried this year, but that's what.
2: I did know a few people or have heard of people that have gotten in. So I know some people from our area have, are going to represent.
1: Yeah, it just seems a seems a shame that, you know, it's so hard to to get into the developer conference. I yeah. wonder what what like what's the breaking point? Is Apple ever going to make it any bigger? Because I mean, other other large companies that have developer conferences certainly have in the past.
0: Yeah, and sure. you know, the key example is Java One used to be held in the same location, and in their peak, uh, they had twenty think up to twenty thousand. attendees that's what i've Uh, heard so it's not a lack of space or uh you know the the ability to support that large number in moscone but
2: yeah and io is ten thousand. but i can't imagine the the length of the lines in (laughs) io
1: well but they don't they have it spread over more than one building if they start doing that or no or is it still in just Moscone West?
2: I
0: don't know I, if they're in West. I don't think Java 1 was in West, but I never went to Java 1.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I.O. is in West either. It, it might be in multiples, but also you have, with I.O., yeah, you have a lot of Android guys, but then you have a whole lot of other Google technologies that pe- people are there for too.
0: Yeah. It's a shorter conference as well. Right. Two days? Yeah, I think so. I don't know what it is this year, if it's changed at all.
1: Yeah, so maybe next year we'll get a somewhat different format, but it seems like Apple's content to...
0: And I I think they feel good about it now that they're streaming the videos as they're available almost the same day for most things. And some I think they're doing live maybe
2: this year that's what i've mm-hmm. heard I, I imagine it'll be the ones that are in presidio the the so main ones
0: in some ways it's more convenient to stay home and watch the videos that you want to watch when you want to watch them yeah on you know what you really miss out on are the the opportunities to network with 5000 plus of your peers and the events and lunchtime events that don't get recorded
1: and the labs
0: and the labs yeah. yeah the labs are definitely uh you know if you have the opportunity to go to a lab highly recommend it
1: yeah i remember the first my first dub dub i went to uh the apple uh user interface like the user des- design lab where they had like apple ui designers kind of do a review of your app and give you some suggestions and We've actually like implemented like most of the suggestions that were there, and I think our apps look a lot better for it.
0: yeah, and this is the one time of year that Apple lets out their engineers and marketing team to talk one on one with developers and you know if you have a problem with core data, you can sit down with engineers that work on core data and work through your issues so that's that's a priceless opportunity and it's worth the price of the ticket
2: definitely but how now the interface labs aren't they about a half an hour long
0: you can always do multiple sessions
1: yeah, for you just how long but
0: not the interface labs they were
2: last year they were doing one
0: per company oh, i believe and they those were some of the highest demand and you know highest um queues, i guess yeah to definitely. get in
2: we should have a topic in a later episode about uh what to do when you're at dub dub and how to survive Um, definitely one of the things is getting to the line getting in line early for an interface lab
1: that certainly helps uh (laughs) but the other labs are i mean really useful too there's all kinds of knowledgeable apple engineers and like whenever I've been, the lines have not been horrifically long for those. So if All you have right. any kind of question or need some help on something, I mean, it's really, it's a really good resource if you, if you have a ticket.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, was it the three of us <laughs> a couple of years ago when collection views were announced, we kind of went back to the hotel and started playing around with it and scheduled a lab the next day to sit down with the engineers to work through it. Um, that was that was a good experience and.
2: Yeah, I remember we were doing something just a little bit off with registering classes and nibs or.
0: Yeah, well, our problem yeah. was we were trying to use Interface Builder, because yeah. that was what was showed shown in the demo, and the engineers don't use Interface Builder, at least the one that that we talked to in the lab. So <laughs> his answer was, "Don't do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> do it in code."
1: I think that same year I also had like a, like a horrible UX. Bug that I that I went and discussed basically with the control center swiping up interfering with my app. Yeah. And I the guy I talked to was was really nice. He doesn't work for Apple anymore, uh, Andy Machuzak. So shout mm. out to him. Um, but uh, eventually they essentially put in a fix for it. They kind of made you have to swipe twice to to bring it up in certain scenarios that that you could control. Um, otherwise, like. My whole business could have been down the tubes because you couldn't like actually play the app anymore. (laughs) So very useful. I'm I'm sure I wasn't the only one who complained. I think he'd mentioned other people had already come and talked to him about it. But
2: yeah. So the other lottery, Apple was it yesterday? Sent out a email to certain people. I guess they said it was random.
1: It seemed pretty random from the people I've heard who have gotten it and not gotten it.
0: I think it went to team agents, if I'm not mistaken. At least, um, I I think that's what happened with the invite to go to their labs to actually test on real watches. It seems like this went to the same audience.
2: Okay, that would make sense. Hmm. But it was for a lottery again... To be able to buy a aluminum apple watch with a light blue band, the forty two millimeter size, and have it ship on the twenty eighth so that's uh that's pretty good compared to what a lot of other people's ship dates would be,
0: yeah, and I think we've learned that ship dates aren't all that reliable, so some people got good news this week that watches they were expecting to come in June uh, some of them already have ship notices and will receive them tomorrow or soon after Uh, so for, for that group they've got happy news this week then I'm in the camp of getting a ship date of April 24th but mine actually hasn't shipped yet so I think I picked a popular version and it's it's getting uh pushed out a bit mm.
2: which color did you pick which one
0: the space gray oh ah.
1: well not i was kind of bummed about the, about the whole thing because i i originally ordered the uh the blue aluminum sports watch i thought i was going to be somewhat unique yeah. you know but of, guys of course at dub dub. yeah everyone at dub, dub is going to have that watch it's a shame
0: <laughs> I kind of feel like Apple realized that they didn't sell enough of those, and they're like, "Oh crap! How do we get rid of this inventory?" Oh, I know. Let's let's make it sound like a special for developers, uh, yep. and we'll be able to clear it out.
1: So I was going to be a special snowflake, but now nothing. I'm going to be like <laughs> everyone else.
2: You're just a snowflake in a blue snowstorm. Yeah, I just I, I did tell myself. I didn't order the, the watch on the opening night. But I told myself if I got selected for that drawing, then I would order it. And so about 7.30 this evening, that I, I got a little email and said, Hey, oh, man. there you are. So now so I have to learn how be... to wear a watch again.
1: Wow. I'm surprised. Yeah. You were very anti-Apple Watch. Did At least any of you...
2: Year. Yeah, I'm still very cautious, and even after I pushed that submit button, I said, what did I just do?
0: (laughs) Did any of you go to the Apple Store and try them on?
1: I did. There are
0: some
1: some differences from what I expected with the bands, and the watch itself seemed pretty cool. I I gotta wear it and have a usable version before I can form much more of an opinion, but...
2: Yeah, so the store versions, aren't they running some kind of demo loop or something?
0: Well, there's there's two displays. There's one with the watch, actual watches, and you can do a try on, except for the, the gold edition. I don't think you can try those on. Um, At least and in our they,
1: Apple store. We're not cool enough.
0: And then they have a few mounted displays mm-hmm. that, in theory, are running the real software.
2: The ones I saw... They were under glass, though. You couldn't touch those.
0: If you ask, you are supposed to make an appointment, but I think you can walk in there and make an appointment. Depending on how crowded it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was there earlier this week, and there there wasn't anybody trying them on, so I think it wouldn't have been an issue to do it right then and there. Yeah, Um, it was similar.
1: When when we were done trying them on, then they were like, oh, here is a real one that you can mess around with, and the guy was trying to show us some some stuff hmm. uh, but they have like legit like real apple watches that you could try on although by the time this podcast is aired everyone will be able to try them on but yeah they definitely would let you use a real apple watch you just couldn't put it on and there's a little like ipad <clears throat> ipad app that came along with it that kind of gave you more information about whatever screen you're on and what you could do
2: interesting yeah but and doesn't it require a phone to to pair up? Like, it won't pair with an iPad, right?
1: Well, these special ones were definitely paired with, with the yeah. iPad.
0: Okay. And it, I tried the watch on. I tried a few on, and uh, it definitely felt better than I thought it would. I thought it was going to be clunky and, and, and just feel awkward, um, but it wasn't too bad. It wasn't as thick as I thought it was going to be, and didn't feel that heavy so
1: are you talking about the fluoro elastomer bands alex or (laughs) other ones
0: can you say that three times fast i tried a few different ones on i tried the the sport band as well as the magnetic leather band Um, i kind of like that one
2: now i've heard the ones that are made for the the steel uh band the steel watch don't look as good on the aluminum
1: that is correct You can, especially the uh, link bracelet you can definitely tell that it doesn't match with the aluminum but some of the other ones it's not that big a deal like the the leather ones with the buckles you, there's not as much of a because it's just like a small part where it's connected
2: mm-hmm. so there wouldn't but be the link a color clash are,
1: yeah the link bracelets are probably the worst in that regard in my opinion
2: and yeah. those are very expensive as well as well
0: I've I've heard that some people who went to try them on that had bought the sport watch decided to uh, switch over to the stainless steel.
2: Yeah.
0: Which, you know, after looking at them, I, I can see why you would be tempted after, after trying them on. But
1: If you really wanted the link bracelet or something like that, yeah, it would look kind of goofy, I yeah. think.
0: I think it's hard to justify spending... Twice as much, or nearly twice as much, on a watch that—that that is probably going to be that much better in a second or third gen. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's that's been my
2: hesitation, and yeah. that was my buyer's my moment of buyer's remorse as well.
0: yeah well, if so something I was going to wear every day, I, I'd be tempted. I, I I can see why other people would be tempted to buy the nicer watch, not the gold. That one <laughs> is is not for your typical consumer, but
1: yeah, I kind of have the same thought as you, Sam, too. But uh, now that you have a watch, you'll actually be able to develop your own watchkit apps legitimately, and even make some awesome mistakes.
2: <laughs> That's true. I uh, yeah. did
1: find a cool blog post. I don't know where did who found this. Where was this from? This it was on Realm
0: IO. And uh, and a number of developers who have developed WatchKit apps have documented some of the mistakes they made. Some of them have went to the labs and tried out their apps on real watches and and learned from what worked and what didn't work, as well as uh, other experiences.
2: Yeah, so the the biggest mistake in this article was thinking that the iOS, the (coughs) WatchKit app could actually launch the app on your phone and in the simulator, that's what it does but on the real device, it just wakes up your phone for a background notification or wakes up your app for a background notification which that might surprise some people because you don't have a whole lot of time to get things done in that background mode Oh no, my
1: but. whole watch was was my watch app was hinging on that fact not really
0: <laughs> But there are lots of people who have already shipped watch kit apps that have never tried them on, on real watches so I, I think we'll see some scrambling after watches are in the hands of the consumer. Hopefully those developers are on that early ship date so they can be able to test and fix any issues that come up
2: yeah, we might see. We've seen the the first round of all the Apple Watch app launches. Now, after the watch ships, we'll probably see the second round of hot fixes.
1: Yeah, that definitely seems like that happened when some new devices come out. Those are normally the really cool ones too. Is the one that comes out in that second round.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just saying the ones from that were that are launching now. They're going to have their hotfix releases shortly following this watch kit Well, the
1: hotfixes and the people who are like, all right, I can't release this app without actually testing it on a device. Maybe it'll just be more, less buggy or something, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a risk getting your app out there without having it on a device. Now, yeah, the the app's watch kit itself is a fairly simple API so the apps aren't too complicated but yeah there could be some fundamental assumptions that are wrong and so they're going to need to rework their apps
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but I believe Apple is trying these apps out on real devices because at work we got rejected for having a, a little problem
1: well, I did notice like I don't know maybe it was a week ago, but like Apple posted a blog post or they posted like a some kind of tech note that basically said, "Hey, here's some some common things that people are doing wrong in apps." Maybe we can post a link to that too if I can find it. Uh, but they had a couple other tips. I think I think the one you mentioned from the WatchKit mistakes blog post was there, and maybe there are a couple other too. So it seems like there's lots of things that. It's hard to test in the simulator for sure.
2: Yeah, it it wasn't perfect for the iOS 8 release. And, you know, why should we expect it to be perfect now? Yeah. And still, no matter what, the simulator, you can get 99% of the way there. But if you don't actually try your app out on a real device, you're taking a risk. Mm
1: Mm-hmm sure
2: so those were that's that's some cool news though this week i think we're definitely going to see a lot of fun stuff coming out of cupertino in june
1: yeah we'll see what we get
2: so uh we also saw a couple new interesting releases this week uh, paint code has a new version out version two point
0: three so for those that aren't familiar with paint code why would i why would I be interested so paint code
2: is a drawing app, but instead of outputting an s v. g or some proprietary graphics format, it'll actually output uh drawing code Objective-C although it can code.
1: it can do p n g exports.
2: Now it can, yeah. And even animations as well. And also it looked like it had something to do
0: keyframe animations that would be helpful for the watch.
1: Mhm.
0: Yeah, so if you're needing graphics and don't want to figure out how to do it in code with core graphics, you can basically draw like like you would with any vector drawing program and it'll generate your core graphics code for you.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if it was added in 2.3 or if maybe it started in 2. in my version's only version 1, but it can do SVG imports as well and even recognize certain shapes like stars and squares.
0: And, and a lot of the new features in 2.3 are about interoperability with other programs through SVG, um, PDF, Illustrator, EPS, um, It makes it a lot easier to go from from another drawing program or working with an artist and bringing it into PaintCode. There's even support for PSD files. So that's very handy. I've bought PaintCode in the past. I've used it a little bit, um, but it's definitely a much more mature product now.
2: Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of opportunity in my day job to do... uh, very custom UI. It's usually fairly stock things, maybe with some graphics thrown in on top here and there. But this would really be helpful if I did have a good requirement like that. In my own apps, I'd like to move to something like that, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, for... I mean, how much is it?
2: $99. Yeah,
1: for $100, bucks, it will save you probably a bunch of hours if you're trying to do some manual drawing code so seems like it'll pay for itself real quick as soon as you start hopping into that draw rec method
2: yeah it's definitely something that'll pay for itself if you build by the hour and maybe you can get your manager to buy it too that's usually a harder sell
1: Oh, I'm sure there a lot of people are getting paid by the hour by their managers. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. and tools like Sketch are hundred dollars, and Photoshop nowadays is I think somewhere around fifty dollars a month for the Creative Cloud. Uh, So it's you know compared to other vector drawing tools, it's it's probably price right.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I did buy that Affinity Designer that came out a few months ago, and I've enjoyed that. It works pretty well.
0: Yeah, it's very polished. Yeah, um, they've been updating it. There's still some features that I would like to see added or improved. Um, yeah, but I think... I, I, I'm definitely keeping keeping an eye to see if it gets to the point where I could switch over to it completely. Yeah,
2: the one feature that I noticed was missing, and that's been a little while since I've looked to see if it's there again, but was uh, like a tracing algorithm for PNG imports. It's very helpful to be able to just take a, a raster graphic and import it and then have it do some tracing so I can manipulate it from there.
0: I know it has an outline view, but I don't know if you can, it has exactly what you want.
1: There are lots of websites where you can give it a PNG and it'll try to generate some type of vector graphics too that may combine yeah. with a new pink code help out or there's, actually a, your goal.
2: there's actually an open source library that does that and it's probably what they're using as well um, Inkscape uses that same open source library and it's, it has a command line utility as well but it's a little bit hard to get the, the right values when you're sitting there fiddling at the command line so it'd be nice to have that integrated in
0: a, in a tool.
1: Yeah, if it's open source, maybe.
0: Yeah. S- Submit a feature st- request. They they seem to be fairly responsive mm-hmm. to yeah. their community. I mean, I, I think Affinity Designer definitely feels like a professional app. And I can see that company competing fairly on par with Photoshop and Illustrator in the future. Uh, Sketch is becoming more and more popular, more and more tools that we use every day, you know, prototyping tools and spec tools, asset generation, uh, integrate really well with Sketch. And I'm seeing that becoming, maybe not the tool of choice, but it's definitely becoming a, a valid option over the Creative Cloud tools. Well, it's nice
2: because you don't pay a monthly fee and it's reasonably priced for yeah. its own
0: but it doesn't it, it's not necessarily as feature rich and not always as stable and going from illustrator to sketch isn't always perfect right Which, but, that makes sense yeah it's not bad affinity at least in some of the some of the files that I've tried affinity seems to work a little bit better crashes less often uh, but the sketch team is growing the product's getting better they keep adding features it's gaining momentum uh, you know it's it's great that we now have these fairly comparable choices yeah we, we're we not forced to just pick one
2: the, co- the competition in the marketplace is definitely going to help the yeah. consumer or the prosumer in this case.
0: Yeah. And you know, none of us are designers, but when you're receiving designs in Photoshop or Illustrator from from a designer and you need to slice it up and, and get the assets into your app, um you get familiar with the tools and there are definitely weeks where I'm in Photoshop every day at least for a little while every day
1: i'm potentially a a part 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 time designer i've got some some programmer (laughs) art here and there uh but most of the time we try to find a a real designer and have them fix it
0: yeah
2: that's Yeah, yeah for your independent apps it's more than likely you're doing your own design work as well
0: I think in general, just knowing knowing the tools that designers use makes it easier for you to work with the designer and and explain to them what they can do to make it make that collaboration work more smoothly. And you know, it can also be nice when designers learn things like Xcode and Git, so they can integrate to your workflow as well. For sure.
1: Uh, so I was curious. Uh, we haven't done any open source pick of the weeks in a while. Does anyone have any of those?
0: I There is one um, f- that I have. It's iOS chart. It's a new charting library.
2: Isn't that a looks, port of an Android library?
0: It is.
1: What? Blasphemy. Yeah.
0: Um, a... That should be going the other
1: way. <laughs> no, that's cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, so it's it's a port of the MP Android chart, open source project. Um, it's pretty feature rich uh, for a fairly, you know, at least from my perspective, it seems like a fairly new project. But there are a ton of options and features already built into th- this charting library, and it it's always amazed me at how few polished, complete charting solutions there are for iOS. But, especially in the open source community, you know, I've used Core Plot quite a bit in the past, but that's that's got a lot of legacy to it. It's, you know, designed to work with Mac as well as iOS, so there, there's some pro there, and it, it's got tons of features, but its API is a little... Little dated. Uh, they keep supporting it and updating it.
1: So, have you actually used this in an app, Alex?
0: Not yet. I'm I'm looking forward to using it. And as silly of a reason as this may be, um, core plot doesn't compile with CocoaPods .36. Um, so, I'm I'm kind of like in this weird situation. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure it's an e- something that can be fixed in an update on, on core plot, but uh, there's a change in CocoaPods that breaks it. So, you know, we, when you're doing Swift and using core plot, um, Cocoa, you know, CocoaPods is becoming a bit of a, of a roadblock for some of these things. Fixable, and I'm sure if it's not fixed already, it will be soon, but...
2: Yeah, looking at that, at the website there's a lot of charts in there probably a good dozen or so and very beautiful looking very nice And,
0: and they're interactive you know you can pinch and and zoom um you can have touch points on the chart a lot of the charting libraries that i've looked at in the past don't have those features or they might have one of those features or and not all these options but yeah the charts look nice the api looks decent so far from what I've been able to uh, get from looking through the code. but So I definitely recommend checking it out if you're needing charts. Scoreplot's plots, still a very powerful, usable library, but this yeah. one looks pretty good too.
2: And the right chart is going to add a lot of pop to your app. It's going to have a lot more impact than seeing a bunch of numbers on a screen.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think users, you know, it's all about data visualization for some apps and you know, health kit wouldn't be the same without charts and a st- stock app. So yeah, yeah, having a good good chart can make a difference in your app. Yeah, they all some. do
1: look very pretty.
0: Yep. And I'm sure their Fine colors can be customized. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> they start out pretty and I'm sure you can just make them look even nicer or customized to whatever you need.
0: So that's my pick.
1: Very
2: nice. So the, the pick of the week that I had, and it really was just because there, it's been mentioned a lot in other places, and I thought, well, we'll just throw it out here too. But it's a, a wobble view. And uh, the demo for it on the website really, I don't know, I guess it would add a little bit of flair to your app. Maybe a little lightheartedness to it. But it seems to, like, their their example is a sliding table view. And the cell kind of bends and warps as you're swiping with the in the amount of swipe force that you use. So it's kind of cool. I just was going to throw that out there.
1: Maybe we can get this built into UI dynamics in iOS 9. It looks pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Because everyone's using UI Dynamics, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's one that really hasn't caught on too much, has it?
1: No, not really.
2: It's a shame. It looked like it was going to be pretty cool stuff.
1: I don't know if it's necessarily a shame. Do you want all of your apps to go crazy, bouncing all around all the time?
2: (laughs) Does Apple even still use the you like hit dynamics in the messages I don't think they're they follow like they used to eh, it's very slight I'm looking at it now they used to seem to jump around a lot more in iOS 7
1: it's definitely still there like if you're at the bottom of a of a message and you scroll up you can definitely see it
2: yeah but it's much much more subtle
1: yeah well i think i think those things are kind of like like flash on, on websites used to be is if you have your whole website using flash, it's probably not a good idea, but maybe you use it here and there for a little thing. It's kinda of like cilantro, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> good and good a little bit good and salsa, but not too yep. much.
1: Yeah, if you have too much it's yeah, just no good for anyone.
2: Although I like a lot, but that's me.
1: Well oh, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> At least you know it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think that's pretty much all the time we have this week. Uh,
0: I do have one other pick. Sorry. Oh, uh, oh no I, no, no. no! I was just I for next week. <laughs> uh, well, this is this is a bit time sensitive. All right. Night. Oh, uh,
1: okay. This the, time. Leaving all this in. <laughs>
0: yeah. The folks at Egghead IO, which I'm not really familiar with, because they mostly do Angular. You know, Java. Job- a lot of the popular javascript libraries angular js and react at least for a limited time they have some sessions on react native so if that's a, a topic you're interested in you should check out the the sessions over at egghead.io
2: now are these like webinars or
0: yeah they're they're screencasts and okay. uh, some of these are behind a paywall and some are free i believe the react native ones are free for now I don't know if they'll stay free forever
2: okay that sounds good well we need to follow up on React Native sometime
0: yeah I think uh, someone
1: needs needs a little bit of time (laughs) to, to
0: develop Android support is probably a necessity too to really get the value out of it right so that still isn't out yet as far as I know
2: yeah I don't I don't know we'll definitely follow up on that later.
1: Let let you guys know next episode maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah, what do we, what do we have coming up next episode? I think we got something nice lined up, don't we?
0: Yeah, timing lines works out. Um Charles Perry should be joining us for a future episode to talk about the release notes conference coming up later this year.
2: And that sounds good. We seem to be turning into the conference podcast. <laughs> But I'm good with All that.
0: Right. We're getting into the uh, the summer conference season. So, lots of good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Alright, well, we'll see you next week. Uh, why doesn't everyone uh, tell us where we can find you?
2: Alright, I'm
0: Sam Corder on Twitter. I'm AJ Robinson on Twitter.
1: You can find me uh, at Alex Argo on Twitter.
0: And the podcast
2: is shared inst on twitter also please rate us on itunes just take a little time out if you can if you've been liking the podcast Uh, it helps other people discover us and helps our audience grow so we're on itunes and also stitcher